Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for professionals. We work to simplify your finances so you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, as always, Mr. Alex Collins. Hey, buddy. Good to have you back in the state. Yeah. Was in uh, Texas for time being where it was 100 plus and like 67% humidity. Um, I did not enjoy that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have enjoyed that either. <laughs> It was good to see my parents, though, and, and the kids enjoyed the pool, so that was good. Yes, that I would enjoy. For those of you who are new to the show, this isn't a, a show talking about Ryan Burklow and where he went on uh, a trip every weekend. <laughs> it's a show about uh, talking about money. We want to have a really open up uh, the dialogue around money. We understand that it's not fun oftentimes to talk about it. There's so much information out there. How do you put it all together? And so we want to um, we want to bring that to light. And so we called the show Beer and Money because we want you to just sit back, relax, maybe even enjoy a cocktail and learn about different concepts, different things about money with, and this is the most important piece, some action items that you can actually go back to your personal finances and do something with. So that's the purpose and mission of our show to, um, or show every day. Today's show, it comes from a conversation that we had uh, with a client and it was a conversation around comparison of what they're currently invested in to quote unquote, the market. Yeah, when it's like this is something that like has been debated quite a bit, um, and it, it's it's something that's really kind of you know, fairly widely misunderstood, like not understanding what quote the market actually is, um, <clears throat> and it's it's really interesting to hear different people's take on this um, and what they think is included or isn't included in whatever the the market is. Well, oftentimes, if you're listening to just the media, they're talking about how the market did and they're normally saying something around the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones. Or perhaps both. Or perhaps both. And they're saying, well, the market did well and they're talking about those two. And so let's let's break that down. Some people may have an understanding of what those two are. Some people may not. So let's, let's break this down, Alex. The S&P 500, right? So this is the 500 largest United States companies. Correct. That's, that's, what the, that's what's the S&P 500. That's what makes up that. Yes, with a caveat. Um, and it depends. Here we go, depends. Well, so right now... Tesla just surpassed Walmart for the eighth largest company in the U.S. And yet they are not included on either the S&P 500 Mm. or the Dow Jones Industrial. It's one of the best performing stocks thus far this year. 
and it's not included in what the market has done. So, I mean, clearly Tesla at this point is one of the largest 500 companies in the U.S., and yet it's not included in the S&P 500. Um, so it isn't just purely the largest 500 companies in the U.S. Um, there are some other hurdles to, to clear. Um, the one that, that Tesla had been struggling with was a, a profitability um, metric that that uh, was preventing them from being included. Uh, supposedly, they have now passed that, and it, it's you know a matter of time before Tesla is going to be included in the, in the S and P 500. Um, and I've seen some interesting comparisons that show. Like, hey, what would have happened had Tesla been a part of the S&P 500? Um, <clears throat> and then because it is so large right now, the S&P 500 doesn't just give equal weight to all 500 of the companies. It is weighted based on the size. And so because Tesla is now one of the biggest companies, um, it was interesting to see how much it would have actually affected the performance of the S&P 500 um, and, and, you know, just also taking a look at how well it's done this year. There is a lot in what you just said, and I, I'm already starting, like myself is starting to go, wanting to go down a bunch of rabbit trails. But let, let's let's define Dow Jones before we start to go down some of these rabbit tra trails, Alex. So what's the difference between the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones? Well, so the Dow Jones, A, there is, when people say the Dow Jones, most of the, the vast majority of the time, they're actually referencing the Dow Jones Industrial Average. There are multiple versions of the Dow Jones. It's just the Dow Jones Industrial Average is usually what they're they're actually referencing. And that is 30 of the largest U.S. industrial companies. Uh, and you can go look up all 30 companies if you wanted to. Uh, it, they do change periodically. Um, same with the S&P 500, as we were just talking about with uh, the possibility of Tesla being added. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a conglomeration of, of what's typically thought of as blue chip or, or uh companies that have historically done really well um and like in the lead up to today today's show uh you mentioned blue chip and i asked you well, what does that mean to you um and it's <laughs> it, it, like you didn't have a definitive answer um because well, i'm pretty it, sure that's it, an ever-changing uh, definition right and one it, it also means something different to everybody else we all kind of have a rough idea as to what it means but but like if you if you were asked to like define it most people actually have a somewhat challenging time actually defining what some of these things are like hey what's the what is the market like when somebody says the market what do you mean um so yeah it's it's massively interesting to see like what all this stuff actually is means does etc so let's transition the conversation, right? So we, we hear all the time, well, my portfolio is doing X compared to the market. And we just spoke about what is normally the market, the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones. Now let's talk about how that comparison is. And what I mean by that is, is it a real apples to apples comparison? Like what is it they're really comparing? And so the question you have to ask yourself, as let's just talk about the S&P 500 for now, 
if that's your metric as quote unquote the market, which is the 500 largest United States companies, well minus Tesla after the the nice venture by Alex, <laughs> what are you comparing? Is what is your portfolio made of? Right? Do you only have large cap stocks inside of your portfolio? Well, in, like in addition to that, Ryan, you, we also have to take a look at the weighting of those. So we know the the S&P 500 for example is 500 of the largest US companies. But that doesn't tell the whole story. When you actually dig into it, six of the largest holdings and five of the largest companies account for nearly one quarter of the value of the S&P 500. And that's Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, and Alphabet. And the reason why I said six holdings is that Alphabet's A shares and or A, the class A and class C are both up there. Um, and most people don't necessarily, there's a, a good amount of people that aren't familiar that Alphabet is Google's parent company and that there's two different classes of shares. Um, so you have to actually add those two together to get to the market capitalization for for Alphabet or, or for Google. Um, so those five companies account for nearly a quarter of the S&P 500. So in other words, if those five or six companies, I guess five companies, are doing really well, that means the S&P 500 has a really strong chance of doing well because those make up almost 25% of the entire index. Correct. And we're one of the things that that we're we're seeing is and this is not a prediction of the future. This is not something that we're saying for you know people to to go run out and do something um with your portfolio based on what I'm about to say here. But we're in an environment right now where it's very reminiscent of the late 90s. You know, in, in 1999, you had the S&P 500 go up and go up dramatically, uh, but it was really only led by a few companies. Um, it was led by the tech sector. And at that time, uh, Microsoft and, and Cisco Systems were specifically two of the, uh, of the big tech companies. Um, and so while you had the S&P 500 go up significantly that year, there were actually a majority of stocks in the S&P 500 that lost money. But because those companies were so big and such a large portion of the S&P 500, that if you just looked at the index, it looked like the index was doing extre extremely well. And it wasn't until the tech bubble burst at the end of the first quarter of 2000 that you really saw like what happened. And so when the top of the, these indexes do well, you have this exponential growth curve going up and it becomes more and more and more reliant upon the companies that are at the top of that index. And the, the fear is that because it went up exponentially, uh, that it has the potential to come down in the same manner.
Will it? So now Who let's. Knows? Right. So now let's. Right when you're comparing, if you if you're comparing your personal portfolio to quote unquote the market, and if you're if that market is the S and P 500, well, are you really doing an apples to apples comparison? Well, it really depends on what you're invested in. Mm -hmm. Right, because if you're looking at the S and P, who just broke record in terms of its high, like it eclipsed 2,500, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the point that I'm getting at here is while the S and P 500 is doing well, I'm sorry, not 2,500, 3,500. Right. If it, if the S and P 500 is doing well, and it's based on those five companies doing really, really well, well, what's your portfolio made of? Right. So if you have some small cap stocks, if you have some real estate funds, like, but some bonds, right? Once you start compare, like really looking at what you're invested in, which is a typical portfolio, some of those asset classes that I just brought up, well, you're not comparing it to the proper source because the S&P 500 is all stock, first of all. And then second of all, it's the 500 largest US companies. And then lastly, it might just be doing well because of five of those companies. Yeah, well, and this then begs the question of like, okay, should like, do we want to own the S&P 500 where it is so dependent upon those five stocks? Is there something else that we want to, like, do we want broader diversification? What are the pros? What are the cons? Um, and this is going to be one of the things that you, you and I, kind of dive into here over the next few weeks is really taking a look at like, okay, how do we put together a portfolio? What does some of this stuff mean? Why would we want to um, have a concentrated position in um, these five holdings? What's good about that? What's good about owning the S&P 500? What are maybe some of the drawbacks? Um, regardless of how you go about constructing a portfolio, there's going to be positives and there's going to be negatives. There's going to be advantages and there's going to be drawbacks. And so it's uh, the goal from, from this conversation isn't to say X is good and Y is bad. Like you and I definitely have strong feelings as to why we manage the money that we do, how we go about it and, and what people should do. And at the same time, the, this is really just about helping folks understand how this works and then understanding, okay, well, what are the advantages and what are the disadvantages? Then we can actually go ahead and figure out like, Hey, does, does the, like, what's your investment philosophy and, you know, are you managing money in line with your investment philosophy? Cause if you're not, that's a really big issue. It's, it's a bigger issue than most people realize because what, when we say investment philosophy, like most of the time when we're talking to, and in, in terms of a demographic, let's just let's just say it's you know somewhere between the ages of 35 and say 50 or 55, right? Like this is typically long-term investing that we're talking about here. And unless you're going to play the active game where you're going to go through and pick individual investments and buy and short some of them and really kind of play that game. 
it gets difficult. And especially once you start including fees and whatnot, then it gets really, really difficult. So when we talk about investment philosophy, it's more of what side of the card are you on? Are you on the active side? Or are you on the academic side? Well, and and then beyond that, understanding the level of diversification that you have. Understanding like okay, like there's some people that would out there that would be out there that would say, Oh, well, I'm on the passive side of investing. I want to invest in indexes because that's what I'm taught to do. Okay, awesome. At the same time, then when we take a look at it, um, now the question becomes, okay how do you want to invest in in indexes and how diversified are you what is your methodology what like how do we take a look at it and once we sit down and explain to folks like okay hey the s p 500 is great that's typically what academics look at as quote unquote the market um so it's not just the media and it's not just the the talking heads that use that but a lot of academia uses the the s p 500 as as a proxy for the market but when you really dig into it and you find that, you know, somewhere between 20 and 25% of the S&P 500 is in those five large tech companies, like, okay, do, do we want that concentrated of a position in companies, A, and then B, in one particular sector? Um, and, and so we're recording this on August 31st. The market has already closed. Uh, and I'm taking a look at, at year-to-date numbers, those five companies are up between 22 and 86% for the year. So if those are the five largest companies in the S&P 500 and they're up between 22 and 86% and the S&P 500 is up 8% for the year, What's that tell you about all of the rest of the holdings inside of the S&P 500? Like collectively, they're not up very much. I mean, yes, collectively, they, they're still up, but maybe not by a whole lot. So you, the, the takeaways here that we're really trying to present is a really understanding what makes up the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones, right? If, if that's your comparison and should that be your comparison? And then two, you know, we did really understanding your philosophy and rules of investing. We did an episode called rules of investing. So make sure you check that out if you're wondering what those rules are. And then last but not least, what is it you're invested in? And are you okay with that? Which leads us to the question of the day, Alex. Uh, the question of the day is, how close is your portfolio to the S&P 500? And the bigger follow-up question is, do you want to only invest in U.S. large companies? It's something so make sure you to think about. Yeah, so make sure you visit us at beerandmoney.net. Uh, and at the bottom of that page, you can answer that question of the day. Or if you have any ideas on your mind that you want us to talk about on the podcast, feel free to reach out to us that way. And then last but not least, if you're getting any value out of this podcast, uh, feel free to leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or however you're listening, as well as share it with anyone that you may know that you think may get value out of it as well. That's the whole mission and purpose of this, this podcast and this episode is 
bring some value, have you think differently about your money, have some takeaways so you can do something with it. So hopefully you got some value out of that. And as always, Mr. Collins, cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and it's not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guests, speakers, and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and minimize value. Data amounts used were indicative of market conditions as of the data shown. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends are based on current market conditions and are subject to change without notice. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a certification offer or a recommendation to future securities or security. S&P 500 Index is a market index generally considered Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333, North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA, SIPC, Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2020-108-136, expiration September 2022.